When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt here covering everything Wisconsin athletics on today's show. We, of course, have a Northwestern dominating performance by the Badgers over Northwestern to recap. A 42-7 victory over the Wildcats in Evanston. A much-needed breath of fresh air for this football program. For us fans that have had these struggles these first five weeks, a lot going on. It was nice to see this team come out and just blow the doors off a team. And in a place that Wisconsin historically has struggled, as we mentioned last week, lost six of their last seven trips to Evanston before Saturday. So to come out and just dominate this Northwestern team was a very welcome sight, I think, for most of the players, the fans. They played with a lot better, a lot better energy. Things looked a lot better, and we'll talk about all that and what it means for the future. We've also got some football news to touch on in terms of some transfer portal enters and some uh, player awards, and then we'll also talk about. The red-white scrimmage is Wisconsin basketball is right around the corner. Going to be here any day before that team tips off as well. So we'll talk about some takeaways from that and get you guys out of here. So in terms of, we'll start with the football news and then we'll get into the football game itself. And then we'll get into the basketball discussion. So football news, um, Kamoyla too, Big Ten Player of the Week. Nice to see for him. He had two interceptions in that contest against Northwestern to go along with three tackles. Played phenomenally well and has really been a nice piece, nice addition for the Badgers in that secondary, replacing Hunter Wohler. So nice to see him. It sounds like Latou is going to continue to get some playing time in Jim Leonard's press conference uh, this past Monday, yesterday, when you guys are probably listening to this. Um, Leonard did say that Wohler is likely return date closer to the bye week, which is still a couple weeks away, either before or after. They play Purdue right before the bye week and Maryland right after the bye week. Two pass-happy teams, so it would be nice to have Wohler for both of those, but right now Kamala too is certainly doing a great job in the role that he's taken on. So I'm excited to see what he can continue to do and if the Badgers can get all three of them and, and have a safety rotation between Torchio Wohler and Kamala too, I think that really helps them in those two games because if you're looking at Wisconsin in terms of aspirations for the rest of the season, every game is important. You know, to get to bowl eligibility, you're at 3-3 three and three now. You still need three to go. The, the way they played this past Saturday, they certainly look like a team that can get to a bowl, but we've seen the other side of Wisconsin football this season. And while there was a lot of positives from Saturday, I think there's plenty that you can take in in terms of the negative throughout the season to make you somewhat skeptical of what this team is going to be moving forward. You have to see it consistently week in and week out. So, But nice for Kamoyla to, to get that honor. Guy that came in, worked hard, transferred, getting worked into in this new system. And I see that payoff for a player of his caliber. Up next in news, quarterback Deacon Pia Hill 
has announced his intentions to enter the transfer portal. So Wisconsin already kind of thin in that room. Now looking like it's going to be a little bit thinner. Now, of course, the situation, not a super big surprise that he would enter the transfer portal. He's a guy that out of high school, highly decorated player, four-star kid by 247 Sports, looked to be a really nice prospect that Wisconsin landed in the, you know, the couple years after Graham Mertz. It looked like he was going to be the next guy in line after, you know, Mertz worked out in, in his situation. Fortunately, never really kind of got to where Deacon Hill, I think, wanted to um, and where many fans expected him to be. Guy known for his big arm strength, but, you know, this year looked like with Chase Wolf going down, he was going to now move into that backup role, but was eventually bypassed by Miles Burkett, um, the incoming freshman. So it just kind of showed that for, for whatever reason, um, you know, he was not progressing to the way that probably he wanted to at Wisconsin in terms of his situation. And, you know, with three years of eligibility, him being from California, him being recruited Paul, by Paul Chris and, and working heavily with him, I know he posted when Paul Chris was fired that it was a very emotional time for him. So this feels like a situation for him to, to kind of get a fresh start, you know, move on to somewhere new where he isn't, you know, third on the depth chart, bypassed by a younger player. The coach that recruited you is no longer there, and the plan just maybe to get him on the field just wasn't progressing the way he wanted to. So I can totally understand that situation. And I know people will say, well, why is he entering the transfer portal midseason? For those of you that are unfamiliar with how college football now works, you've got to get in the portal earlier rather than later. Um, once that portal you know, eventually opens, you've got to get in there because there's going to be um, a time where you're going to be essentially re-recruited by other schools and to have your name in there early for schools to know, hey, he's in there. Um, you know, some maybe a smaller California school, F FBS, SCS, where he ever wants to go, we'll have three years of eligibility left. So uh, it, it's an unfortunate one for Wisconsin in terms of the quarterback room. You now are a little bit thinner, but if Graham Merch were to go down, you're likely going to Miles Burkett anyway. You know, he's the younger guy. He's shown a little bit of promise. And it's clear that Wisconsin as the backup favors him over Deacon Hills. So it, it really isn't a situation where, you know, if if all of a sudden Merch goes down, that he was going to be the next guy up. He was going to be the third guy in line. And when you, you've got to sometimes be a little bit, I don't want to say selfish, but you have to think about yourself in college football these days, um, more so than, you know, the team, the team, the team, because sometimes you have to get into other situations beyond that team and onto your next team. So we wish Deacon Hill the best. He's been a guy that's been on this podcast before. Very well-spoken kid. Clearly has a lot of love for Wisconsin, a lot of love for Madison, love for his teammates and coaching staff. So hopefully he can go to somewhere else and, and find a path to get on the field and, and show off his talents. Because, again, a four-star kid out of high school, you know, it has, maybe hasn't shown quite yet at Wisconsin, but that doesn't mean that that situation can't unfold for him and he can be a player that gets out there and, and plays consistently. So a little bit thinner for Wisconsin. Quarterback numbers a little bit off balance. Here you talk about you've got Chase Wolf, who was in that senior class. Who knows? I think Chase Wolf will get a year of eligibility back based on his injury. I don't expect him back this season. But then will he come back to Wisconsin with Mertz, you know, as a junior? Probably going to be your starter next year. You've got, uh, you know, Miles Burkett behind him, who looks like kind of your next in line backup. Chase Wolf, how does he fit in that picture? It's going to be interesting to see whether he comes back or if he maybe hits the portal as well. I would not be shocked if he goes and plays elsewhere as well, maybe closer to his home um, in Ohio. So, We'll see where that ends up. With the quarterback room, a little bit off balance. You know, you've got a, a senior that's injured. You've got a junior who's likely going to be back. And then you've got, you know, now two classes where you didn't take any players. You didn't take one in the year after Mertz. You didn't, and then you took Deacon Hill after that. Now you've got two years of gap 
there, along with now two freshmen in Miles Burkett and Marshall Howe. So in Wisconsin, 2023 still has not landed a quarterback. So that room is a little uneasy right now, uh, probably a little off balance. We'll see if Wisconsin looks to the portal to maybe fill some depth there. It's harder in the portal to land a backup. You know, if you're if you're going out in the portal, you're likely, you know, every guy is going to want to go in there as a place to possibly start unless they have, you know, three years of eligibility. And next year, if Graham Mertz comes in and is the starter, which based on the way he looks Saturday, again, the up and down of Graham Mertz is certainly there. Uh, but it does look like Wisconsin is probably going to have to either for sure land a quarterback in that 2023 class. That is now, I think, even more pressing, just given the situation now with your other quarterbacks in the room. But you also probably need to try and land some depth there. But we're getting a little off topic in terms of the future. But for right now, we'll, we'll focus back in on football room. That is something to consider with this transfer news. But those are the two quick football news stories I wanted to hit on before getting into the game itself. Because... The game itself, well, tons of positives. It's It was a dominating win, and, and that's always fun to talk about. But sometimes it's harder to find ma- big major takeaways when you know, you're talking about a huge win. So when you look at this game, Wisconsin came out, and I think the thing we talked about all week was what was the energy going to be? What was this team going to be like in this contest, given everything that had gone on the week before, you know, leading up to it? Personally, I thought they would come out with more energy than they had in these first five weeks look a little bit better. I didn't know if I necessarily expected a, a complete route like this. And you know, I predicted a pretty close game, you know, on the website and on the podcast, I thought it would be a little tighter. I thought there'd be a little bit more dysfunction, I guess. So it's nice to see that Jim Leonard had everything pretty well buttoned up you know, on both sides of the football. I think in his presser throughout the week, he talked about on the defense, maybe having to take a step back and, and being able to try and manage everything that he would have to maybe move some things around. So it was nice to see that that defense played as well and, and one of their, probably their best game of the season against the best caliber opponent. I know we're talking about Northwestern, who's now 1-5 and has lost to you know very bad FBS teams and FCS teams. But this team had some talent on the offensive side of the ball. They've got Ryan Holinsky, Evan Hall, some good players. They've got a first round, second round draft pick and Peter Skronsky on the offensive line. So they aren't any pushover like Wisconsin's two other victories have kind of been. So it was nice to see this defense come out really put a lot of pressure, really have that dominating force in them, you know, in the, in the secondary and creating turnovers, you know, Nick Herbig in terms of pressure, the off, defensive line, I think was getting really good push and getting pressure. So overall, it was nice to see that Jim Leonard had that side really buttoned up. Cause I think when I thought about it, I thought, you know, there's so much more on Jim Leonard's plate. He's calling recruits. He's, you know, managing emotions of a coaching staff in a locker room. How's that all going to transpire? Is the defensive game plan going to be kind of a mess because it hasn't gotten the same attention from Jim Leonard and the staff? And that was exactly the opposite. So that's nice to see when you're looking at, you know, this. if this is an audition period for Jim Leonard to take over as the next head coach, that's a nice first, you know, nice first step for him landing this full-time job is that, hey, despite the adversity over this course of this week, this team came out and bang, the defensive game plan was much better. And the offense came out, and it was just firing at all cylinders. Now, this Northwestern defense is bad. There's no doubt about that. It's a very bad unit. But you got to play the teams in front of you. This is a place that Wisconsin, as I mentioned earlier in the show, lost six of the last seven trips. You had some, you know, you, all of a sudden, the when you talk about the offensive game plan, Paul Chris was integral in putting that together each and every week. Who knows? Maybe, maybe there's, with him out of the fold, there was some opening up of the playbook that you could talk about. But... 
the offense looked a lot better and a lot crisper, and, and that side of the ball was was firing on all cylinders as well, which is great to see again because you're managing with your now you're managing down a guy and Paul Chris. You're managing different emotions. You got other guys taking on other roles, and they came out and executed to you know the the best that we've seen them on the offensive side against again a bad Northwestern team, but the highest caliber of competition that they faced in a, in a victory quite yet. You know they struggled against some good defenses, but they came out and took care of business and looked their best against you know in their victories. This is the best they've looked against the highest caliber uh, of team that they've played and, and beaten. So I I think the offense. Was, was much better. And again, this is a nice first step for Jim Leonard in terms of having everything buttoned up, ready to go, and executed in this contest. We're talking about the offense, though. You've got to talk first about Graham Mertz. What a performance from him. Just once again, the up and down of Graham Mertz is something that will, will certainly always, always kind of surprise people. I mean, there's times where he goes out and makes throws that no other player around the country can make. I think of that little floater. That's an incredible throw on the run using his feet and using the touch pass that he had. That was an amazing throw. And then he comes out and there's other throws where he just goes and zips it around and looks incredibly confident. So I, I think he's been I think he's been really good all season. I know he's had some down performances. You know, he he struggled in that Washington State game, but I don't think that was really a game that was lost because of him. I think he was the best player on Wisconsin's offense in that contest. The Ohio State game. Ohio State is, is blowing the doors off everyone. I don't know how much you can really take from it. The Illinois game was pretty pathetic for everyone, but I think that was the final kind of nail in the coffin and wake-up call that they needed a little bit on this offense. And then he came out against Northwestern and just absolutely slung it around. Um, and it was really dominating in that. 20 of 29 for 300 yards, 69% completion percentage. That is what you want to see along with five touchdowns, zero interceptions. You cannot find a better stat line for Graham Mertz. Maybe, I mean, that Illinois game to open his career was a phenomenal performance from him. But this one, in terms of the, he had more incompletions in this game, but in terms of the way he threw the football with touch, with zip, with accuracy all around the yard, I think this was his, the second best performance we've ever seen from Graham Mertz. And he has had some games where he's, looked completely lost with the quarterback position over the course of his career, but then he comes out and has games like this, and you see, again, the potential of him. So I think you have to hat tip to him. I mean, 300 yards passing and completing 70% of your passes. If you can, you don't even need to have that performance every single game, but if you can come out and, and replicate something close to that, that changes the whole dynamic of this offense. And I think Jim Leonard kind of talked about it, that they have to work their passing game. They have to work their play, play action game. They can't allow teams to... Just load the box and and you know just sit there and and try to plug up the run game. I think they did that. So the passing game looked good. The pass protection I thought looked really good. Mertz had plenty of time to throw. He, he was able to work his routes. Again, these receivers I think are incredibly talented receivers. You just got to find ways to get them the football. And I think this past Saturday they did a really good job of that and mix it up. Jim Radike was involved. Marcus Allen was involved. Skylar Bell was involved. That's what you want to see from the potential of this room. You want to see the young guys that you recruited that you thought had all this athleticism getting the football in space and making plays. And, and, and both, all three of them had nice yards after catch or making things happen. And that's what you need from this offense. The running game had been struggling. That looked a lot better this week as well. He came up, Brandon Allen, 23 carries, 135 yards, 
A nice couple long runs for him. I think in terms of the run game, the holes looked a lot better in terms of the offensive line getting a push. Once again, you had some different combinations of the offensive line. We have not seen the full five that you know the Wisconsin wants to go with with Riley Mullen. Tyler Beach was a little limited as well. Michael Purdy was in there. So you had Tanner Bordellini. You had all guys kind of moving around, different play, playing different positions. But I think this group looked a lot better. The holes were a lot better. They were getting pushes. They were get, creating those gaps. And Braylon Allen, what we talked about it a lot this season, has sometimes been hesitant in where the hole is going to be, you know, how he's going to make his move through that. He looked much more decisive in that, much more motivated. Not, not motivated. Motivated is the wrong word. But much more crisp in terms of his run. He was clearly had that extra energy behind him with the everything that's going on. He talked about using everything as fuel, and I think you saw that for him here. And he really kind of had that wake-up moment of, hey, I'm, I can be the best player on the field when I want to be unless my quarterback's slinging it around for 300 yards. So I think offensively the run game looked a lot better, and they'll have to continue that. But I like the way that they worked the pass game from that run game and vice versa. This felt like a much more balanced offense. You're, you're, you're throwing for 300 yards. You're running for 100-some yards. It, he, it was really nice uh, to see Braylon Allen kind of get that opportunity to, to get things going. Hopefully that momentum keeps going. If teams have to respect the pass the way that Northwestern had to do on Saturday, the way Graham Mertz was throwing it around, they you're going to have opportunities to make plays in the run game. Or if you're Northwestern, you, you kind of stick to what you want to do to shut down the run and make Graham Mertz beat you. If he comes out and throws it around the way he did, so many wide open guys, he'll be able to pick you apart. So it's nice to see that these two units on the offense worked off of each other really for the first time the entire season because Northwestern kind of said, you know, we're not going to let Braylon Allen beat us. He did sometimes, but Graham Mertz, in response to that, came out and threw it around, hit the open targets, threw the ball with zip, threw the ball with touch, and allowed this offense to really kind of keep clicking and click, keep humming, which is huge as you move forward through the rest of the season. You're now halfway through. It has not went the way you wanted it to, but you can still turn some things around. This division Looks like right now it might be Illinois' division, but you can certainly see any team still make a run at it. Wisconsin you know, loses that tiebreaker to Illinois, so they need them to falter you know, two or three times. Will that happen? I don't know at this point, but it's certainly something that is possible. But at, at this point, who, if you'd make the Big Ten Championship, great. But this team is so far away from that right now, I think you have to temper expectations to say, let's, hey, let's... Take a week to week. Let's get to a bowl. Let's pick up a victory. You know, we just beat Michigan, just beat Northwestern. Let's now go on the road and beat Michigan State, a team that is struggling, but, you know, a very tough place to play and a, a game that could go either way, depending on which team shows up and which team plays. So I think you just got to take a week at a time, but you got to feel good about the week, the, the way this week started. On the defense just a little bit as well. I think the defense, as I said, looked really good in terms of the playmaking that they were making, um, in terms of, you know, Pass coverage confusing, you know, Ryan Holinsky, the Northwestern quarterback, into some mistake throws. And I also think the defensive line had one of their best days that we've seen yet. Those guys were getting pushed consistently in the run game. They were getting pressure. You know, I, I don't know who, I can't remember who was calling the game um, on Big Ten Network, but they said this was the most pressure that they've seen Northwestern have to face over the course of the season. Now, part of that is Northwestern played a ton of dominating fronts, but they have played young. Know, Penn State is a team that has a really strong front, kind of shut them down. Maybe didn't get as much pressure, but was really good defensively. They did play Duke, who's a team that, you know, in terms of metrics, analytics has gotten a lot of pressure and forced a lot of havoc. So to hear that Wisconsin was kind of giving them 
more fits than they'd seen all season in terms of the announcers was a, a good thing to see. And I would agree with that. I think Wisconsin really did a good job of getting that push off the offensive line, getting that line stuffed and the move, line of scrimmage kind of moved backwards. And that caused issues for Northwestern's run game. And that caused issues where Ryan Kalinske was was moving around and having to get rid of the, the ball and, and trying to fit it in some tight, quick windows. And Wisconsin took advantage of it. You also saw Nick Herbig come off the edge, make a play that, you know, when we talked about who was the player to watch for the weekend, uh, should have been Kamoila too because he was so dominant in in terms of the plays he made. But Nick Herbig coming out and, and in the, that second half, now granted it was a 28-point lead, but Northwestern could have came out if they could have put together a drive together to get some momentum. Nick Herbig came out and, and shot that completely down, you know, getting the sack, getting the fumble, and, and really just saying, you know, Northwestern, you're, it's done. It's over. That was kind of the that was the moment for me that kind of put put that game on ice. You know, Nick Herbert coming in, forcing that fumble, really said, "Okay, this is a game that Wisconsin's got in the bag. Let's get some other guys worked in. Let's get this lead. Let's get out of there." And it was really uh, an overall great sight to see. So a great team win for Wisconsin, which is what this team needed. You hope now you know, this week they worked off the momentum uh, and, and the passion and the emotion of Paul Chris being fired. You hope this week that can carry over. You know, I think they're going to be playing for Paul Christ all season long. A lot of these guys have talked about it. They were upset by the decision. But I think a lot of guys use it as fuel. And you heard multiple guys say, hey, Coach Chris got fired for a reason. He got fired partly because of the way we played. And they came out and, and proved that they can play better than what they've showed. And now it's got to be continuing, continuing on and, and being consistent. The thing I say, you know, I think a lot of people – are rightfully much more positive, and, and you should be. This new era of Wisconsin football, you're now into the Jim Leonard era, we should be positive. We should be backing this team. We should be backing Jim Leonard. We want, I think all Badger fans should want Jim Leonard to do well and win this job if he hasn't already. I think the, the interim tag is just a placeholder. I do think he's pretty much got this job in the bag. I'd say in terms of percentage, I was texting with someone, uh, a coworker of mine, um, yesterday, and, and he said, what's the percentage that Jim Leonard lands this job? I'd say it's 90 to 95% that, that Jim Leonard are, has this job and, and will be the next coach of Wisconsin football. So I, I think it's nice to see him kind of get off on the right foot, and we should all be positive and kind of backing uh, Jim Leonard in that regard. Now, you had a big emotional win on the road in place you've struggled, a lot of great things. Now you have to look at can, can Wisconsin repeat it and do that in back-to-back weeks. That's something we haven't seen where, you know, one week they came out and, and, and they dominate. You know, you, you go in that, you know, the Illinois State game, you come out, dominate, shut out, offense looks good. And then the next week you come out and in Washington State, and things look eh, things look pretty ugly. You have a chance to win, you don't. You know, now, you, then the next week you have New Mexico State. You come out, you dominate a, a very bad football team the next week you come out and you know late just get completely the doors blown off by Ohio State you don't get off the mat and answer the question against Illinois and now all of a sudden you've got Northwestern you come out and dominate so it's kind of been back and forth for this team so I, I'm interested to see whether Wisconsin can make it two weeks in a row in terms of dominating on both lines of scrimmage getting the pass game going and getting the run game going we'll say this Michigan State team has been pretty bad, and they've been especially bad in defending the pass. So if Graham Mertz can come out and throw the ball and find the open man the way he did this past weekend, 
he should have another big day on Saturday against this Michigan State secondary. They were worse in the country last year. They've been just as bad this year, and and Graham Mertz has an opportunity this weekend to make it two solid performances in a row and really you know, have this offense humming as you go into the, the home stretch here, the last six weeks of the regular season. Overall, to wrap things up on this game, great team win. Both sides of the ball looked a lot better. They played with a lot better energy. It's great to see Jim Leonard in this era get off on the right foot. We should have positivity. Now it's just a matter of this Wisconsin team making it two weeks in a row. Can they do it again against Michigan State? Can we keep that confidence going into another game as a fan base? Or are we going to see the revert to the medium um, or to the median that we saw the rest of this season in terms of up and down and up and down? This was a dominating performance. Can they repeat it? I do think they can. I think this team is incredibly talented. I think they've got a lot of good players. There's young. There's been changes. But I think this is next game is another game that they can come out and hopefully repeat. So that Michigan State game will be a very interesting contest um, this weekend for Wisconsin. All right, switching gears now, we've got some Wisconsin basketball to talk about. It's been a little bit since we've talked basketball, but Wisconsin had their red-white scrimmage, and the season is just under a month away from tipping off officially with the Badgers season opener. They'll be playing at Miller, excuse me, American Family Field um, here very soon. Um, so Wisconsin had their red-white scrimmage as they prepared to get ready for the season, you know, kind of get some more things implemented. And what stood out was the new faces of Wisconsin basketball, names that maybe the, I don't want to say a casual fan, but maybe just someone who, who follows Wisconsin basketball but isn't in tune with the team quite yet. The new face is really shown, and that was new faces in Max Klesmith, the Wofford transfer, and Connor Sigian, the walk-on guard. Sigian came out, led Team Red with 15 points, hitting you know, hitting three of four uh, from beyond the arc and throwing down a nice dunk um, in the uh, you know through the lane that way. So I think he's a guy that really... Wisconsin fans should keep an eye on. You look at this year, what you're going to need on this team and what they needed even last year, and that's shooting. That's beyond the arc shooting. You know, this that you think back to last year's contest against Iowa State in that ugly, ugly NCAA tournament game. Wisconsin could not buy a bucket. They could not hit a three from beyond the arc, and really they didn't have anyone they felt confident in shooting it. Johnny Davis and Brad Davison were streaky shooters, I think, at best um, throughout the course of their career. Johnny Davis got a lot better at shooting. Brad Davison was always a guy that, when he was hot, could really knock down three-pointers consistently, but when he was cold, it was ice cold. And and they didn't really have a guy from deep that could knock down a shot. And Connor Sigian is a guy that can come in and really be a pure shooter for this team and, and something that they're going to need. So if you've got a guy that is coming in and, and knocking down threes consistently – He's going to be in the rotation quite a bit. And Connor Sidgian's a guy that didn't has not played you know, quite yet and, and is working his way into the fold and is probably going to be a bench guy. But if he's got a guy that can come in and be a hot hand and knock down some shots for you, that's really nice to see. The other new player was Max Klesman, a Wofford transfer, averaged 15 points last season, came out, had 17 in this game in the red-white scrimmage. That's awesome. That's huge for this team. You have scoring that you have to replace in the likes of Johnny Davis and Brad Davison. You can't replace those guys with just one player. You, you can't replace an NBA lottery pick and a guy that's been a part of your system for 12 years in Brad Davison. I, I joke. But you, you look at these guys, they were core players for this team last year, and you have a lot to replace. You're going to have to not replace them with one. It's going to have to be replacing that points and those productions from Max Klesman, from Connor Sigian. From the younger guys, Kamari McGee, the incoming transfer from UW-Green Bay, Jordan Davis, Marcus Ilver, Carter Gilmore. There's lots of guys that are going to get opportunities 
to try and patch together the production that you lost. It's kind of, it feels like, it feels like I'm talking about Moneyball in a way. Hey, we, we can't replace a 300 hitter with another 300 hitter, but hey, maybe we can replace this 300 hitter with two guys that bat 220 and maybe you get more production from those guys. I'm not going to say sit here and say this Wisconsin team is going to have more production than what Johnny Davis, the lottery pick, gave you, but that's how you kind of have to piece it together and to see incoming guys that kind of take the storyline of this scrimmage is is awesome to see for this team. You know, the other guys, Chuck Hepper and this guy that stand out, looked healthy, looked explosive, great on the defensive end, great on the offensive end. The, the offense is going to run through him. He's going to have a bigger role. And we all expect Chucky Hamber to be a very phenomenal player. The other guy, of course, Stephen Crawl. Greg Gards talked about it in his pressers throughout the offseason, talked about it in his time in, in France. He feels like Stephen Crowell has gotten so much better in terms of the way he plays. He's gotten bigger. He's gotten stronger. You could tell in terms of size, in terms of muscle, that he's got a little bit more um, on him. There was times in years past where Stephen Crowell had the tough matchup of going up against the Hunter Dickinsons of Michigan, the, the Kofi Coburn of Illinois, and he was just purely outmanned and out, you know, outsized. And Stephen Crowell looks like he's got a little bit more size on him to try and, and really – put together uh, a bigger frame and be a, a true center in this league that has a ton of, of strong, physical, big centers. So I think that's great to see from him. You've also got you know some other guys that are going to be in the rotation. You still have Tyler Wall, who's probably your best overall player up and down. Um, but all of these guys got some got some rotation in, got some points in, got their, their feet under them, and now it's going to be, you know, which guys kind of – how the rotation works out is going to be fascinating – in terms of this team moving forward. So overall, it was nice to see this team in action, going up against another, some nice friendly competition. And it looked like it had a, a good crowd at the red-white scrimmage um, and got to see a lot of these guys play. The next thing I'm interested to see, though, is which guys are working where when you're not playing against each other. It's easy to split up teams and everybody gets minutes when you're playing two teams, you know, you know one team against another in a kind of a split squad. What I'll be interested to see is kind of the, the expedition game. I think the Badgers opened their season with an exhibition against one of the UW school, schools um, in the late October. I want to say Halloween or the 30th, because I know Wisconsin football does not have a game that weekend, and I think that's when their exhibition opens up. I can't remember the exact date of the exact opponent. But I think you're, that'll be the first kind of look you're going to have at to as to the rotation, who's going to be your starters, Who's going to be, you know, who's going to be where in terms of this team? I think you already kind of know most of the pieces in terms of the starting five. You've probably got you've got Chucky Hepburn as your point guard based on his performance and his career track record. I think Max Klesman's going to be your two guard. Beyond that, the three spots probably the only one that's somewhat of competition, but I believe that would be Jordan Davis that likely gets the nod there. And then you've got Tyler Crawl and Stephen. Excuse me. Tyler Wall and Stephen Kral in your four and five. So I think most spots are, are likely set in terms of the starters, but in terms of the rotation, who's going to be your number one guy off the bench? You know, Kamari McGee's likely your backup point guard, going to get plenty of minutes. Who beyond that, whether it's yeah, Connor Sedgian, whether it's you know, Carter Gilmore, you know, which guys are going to be getting those number two minutes is going to be huge because Wisconsin doesn't quite have as much depth as what they had last year and didn't have a player that you could rely on. In, in Johnny Davis to give you a full 40 minutes a game sometimes. He could be out there for 38 of those 40 minutes and give you a lot of production while doing so. So it's not going to have that luxury. They're going to have to work some other guys in. So it'll be interesting to see how deep Greg Gard goes. Is it a shorter bench? You know, last year there was times where the bench was 
was pretty short. They were maybe going seven deep at times. Do they go a little bit deeper early in the season? Of course, in an exhibition game, you're likely going to get a lot of guys' minutes. Early in the season, you'll probably go eight deep, maybe nine deep, maybe try and find some other guys that you feel like can give you a little bit of a burst. But how does that rotation kind of work out? Who are the couple guys off the bench getting minutes consistently? Because you're going to have that opener against South Dakota on November 7th. You'll have that exhibition game. But then it gets into that American Family Field game against Stanford. You're playing Power 5 opponents pretty quickly. So, granted, the, this non-conference slate, I like that Wisconsin's playing some tough games. But you're going to have to have some stuff sorted early. So, to see how that rotation kind of works out is going to be a really interesting part to watch. And probably won't get a clear answer on that until that exhibition game against one of the UW schools at Looking it up, oh, UW-Eau Claire is the team that they'll be playing on October 30th in terms of that exhibition. So if you're looking to check out some Wisconsin basketball, that'll be one at the Kohl Center. All right, guys, that wraps up everything from this show. Um, didn't want to spend too much time on the game itself. Looks like we're at right about a half hour, so still a, a good podcast for you. Later in the week, we'll, of course, be back with our Michigan State preview. We'll, we'll talk about the game. We'll likely have an interview from our SB Nation sister site, The Only Colors, over at Michigan State. So should be regular programming for the rest of the week. As always, thank you guys for listening on Wisconsin.